Good morning. I don't even know what to call this. Uh, I'm Blake Murphy. This is J.D. Bunkus. Beside me, we've got a ton it's of hockey JD stuff. Bunkus podcast. It's the J.D. Bunkus podcast <laughs> extended universe, whatever the, the comic book nerds call it. Um, we got a lot to get to over the next hour and 10 minutes. So the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to introduce Brad Tree Living as their new general manager at a press conference. We'll bring you that live uh, right around the top of the hour at 11 o'clock. Some other news coming down this morning to, I don't know, maybe take the shine away a little bit with the, the timing is certainly curious. The man that Brad Tree Living is replacing, Kyle Dubas, has been named the president of hockey operations for the Pittsburgh Penguins. J.D. Bunkus, it was not that long ago that Kyle Dubas said Toronto or nothing. And then I won't be popping up anywhere. Yeah. From now. He didn't lie. It wasn't a week. It was, I think, 13 days. Yeah. And Almost then two. Kyle, the the change there, though, is that the Toronto Maple Leafs decided they didn't want Kyle Dubas. And that changed everything. Um, are you surprised at all that Dubas has landed somewhere so quickly? Like, like jokes aside, are, are you surprised that he, he pivoted so quickly and, and has landed? By the way, uh, landed in a situation where the Shanahan and autonomy and power stuff is not an issue because he's the president of hockey. Yeah. Okay, so there's a whole bunch of stuff to this. One is, uh, all right, we knew that Kyle Dubas was being pressured a little bit by Pittsburgh to make his decision. That was getting pretty clear. They liked him. They offered him the job. It had been out there for a few days. And, man, if I ask you to be an employee you know i start the jd bunkus media empire and i offer you a job and you're like give me a minute i go yeah that makes sense you need some time to think it over day two I'm like what's up day three kind of like so yeah. <laughs> also in this situation by the way i don't have a current job and you're offering me a promotion yeah, from true. my prior job yeah that's true yeah yeah exactly you're getting a promotion I get to be J.D. Bunkus in this yeah, scenario. So, yeah, nice. This is pretty sweet, actually. This is a nice scenario. We should work, we should work on this. Um, like, not the you being unemployed part. Yeah. That part's not great. Clearly, there was a bit of a deadline here, and you don't want a Friday news dump uh, an exciting hire. So, to a degree, this makes sense. But also, I don't want to live in a world where this was purely coincidental, right? I want to live in a world where Kyle Dubas said... I also actually got a better job. I got I got your job. And it, it's with another... Sidney Crosby wanted me here. You ever heard of him? He's pretty good. Hmm. He's a pretty impressive guy. I like that world where Kyle Dubas knew exactly the timing of this thing. He waited. He agreed. And yeah, he wants to detract a little bit from the Toronto Maple Leafs or at least still be a part of the conversation. What I think is actually kind of curious now heading into this media conference, because this news just dropped... Someone has to ask the question to those guys. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about Kyle in Pittsburgh? And he'll probably give Shanahan some generic answer of, I always knew Kyle was going to work in this league and Kyle's talented and we wish him the best of luck. But that's where the body language stuff kicks in. Hey, let's keep a little lookout for how they react to this. There's no way these guys are stoked that their moment is now just about as much about Kyle Dubas as it is these two fellows at the podium. Well, we've also, there's also a trickle down of, and I know, so... In the NHL, they're a little more restrictive than the NBA in terms of like, hey, guys leaving one organization for the other while their contracts are still going, especially if it's a, you know, a lateral move or whatever. But mm -hmm. it stands to wonder if Dubas is going to bring some people with him from Toronto as Funny. the Leafs are going through this transition phase. Um, you know, Wes Clark, the, the director of amateur scouting for the Leafs, is, I believe, expected to handle a big part of this upcoming draft because Brad Treeliving is 
coming in on short notice and obviously has the Austin Matthews thing and, um, you know, a bunch of no trade clauses kicking in. He, he has some heavy stuff and, and the Leafs don't have a ton of draft capital anyway, but Wes Clark was a Dubas guy. Jason Spezza tendered his resignation after the Dubas news. There, there's obviously the Brandon Pridham of it. And by the way, Dubas has a GM job open underneath him. Mm-hmm. I do wonder if, and I don't know that this will get asked today, but I do wonder if Dubis poaches a little bit from the Leafs as well, because there are, after nine years, uh, five in the GM chair, there are some Dubis people in that organization. So it would seem, and I, and I talked to James Myrtle today on my podcast, go subscribe and review, <laughs> about his reporting behind the scenes with the Leafs front office and how there was clearly dissent amongst the ranks and there was clearly a dividing line between Shanahan people and Dubas people. And some of them that were getting over it, some of them moving a little bit more towards, hey, you know what, embrace the new guy. Others staying on the outside of this. Here's what I, if we're going to live in the petty world, right? We've agreed to live in petty, oh, yeah. the petty palace. Yeah. I don't think that Shanahan and the Leafs are going to sign off on Dubas taking people. Like, yeah. You think that they're going to let Brandon Pridham walk down the street the, the Pr- Pridham, I don't think, because Shanahan was like, Shanahan dug his claws in on Pridham yeah. in his press conference dismissing Dubas, saying like, yeah, Pridham's going to be a part of the, the transition phase here and working through things. Um, but I do think of, you know, I think Wes Clark is a good one because, um, a, a good one to think on just because he wasn't around, like he was a Dubas addition as well, not mm-hmm. someone Dubas just came up with and inherited. Yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know who would go or who would poach, mm-hmm. but I'm guessing again, living in the Petty Palace, yeah. that the Maple Leafs do everything in their power to not facilitate and make Kyle Dubas' mm-hmm. life easier. My guess would be that Jason Spezza is definitely a part of Pittsburgh's organization oh, yeah. in some meaningful way. I would assume a, like an assistant GM spot so yeah. he can continue to work with whoever, yeah. with Dubas and whoever comes in as a GM. It feels like GM immediately is a bit much. Yeah. But then again, if you're Kyle Dubas and... You got the job at 32 years old. You were only yeah. assistant for how long with the Leafs? I think he spent eight seasons in Toronto and yeah, five so as general manager. Yeah, so I think three, manager, and so three, three or four as, a, as, as the, an assistant like and the then AGM. five as the, yeah. Spezza got basically the one, the crash course. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably not, but maybe. I, I know that this, the name people are going to kick around is going to be Eric Tulski. Yeah, and that course. Dubas is going to go full nerd and grab, an, uh, like, yeah, exactly. He's going to go with one uh, of us. This no. is going to be interesting is that there's that part of Leafs fan there's a group of Leaf fans right now who are definitely still dug in on Dubas, right? Like if the Leafs win somehow or they have success, they'll still point to the the ground that Dubas laid and whatever. They won't call it the Shanna plan. They'll be like, this is Dubas. If it fails, it'll be the Shanna plan. And now that he's going to Pittsburgh and he hires Tulski and they have Spezza there, there's basically going to be a subset of, remember how there were annoying Pittsburgh Penguins fans already because yeah. people just jumped on the Sidney Crosby yeah. bandwagon and there's a large population of them. Now it's going to be an even more annoying one where there's going to be Penguins fans in Southern Ontario. But who- you have to credit Dub- Dubis discovered, drafted, and developed Sidney Crosby yeah, and Evgeny Malkin yeah. and Chris Letang. Like, yeah. that's that's the Dubis foundation he yeah. built in Pittsburgh. Exactly. So, and if he fails, it's because he inherited some old guys on bad contracts. And mm-hmm. this is one of my favorite things about pro sports that we do is if you move off of contracts and you turn them into picks or even salary cap space now, it's viewed as like a genius move. Even if you gave the bad contract in the first yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's it's like, wow, look at this move. They, they traded Mraz. They only had to trade down a Which, bit. by the way, and we'll get into this, of course, after we hear from him, but like the, that's a bit of a Brad Tree Living special as well. The give out a bad mid-tier salary and then flip it for something that is hey, slightly less objectionable. 
later. That's an all GM thing. Yeah. This is why, to be honest, the thing I think I'm most forgiving of with general managers, the mistake they clearly, that like a lot of them make, you have cap space. You got to essentially spend it. You're the Toronto Maple Leafs. You're not going to leave cap space out there. And maybe you leave a little bit. Maybe you don't. There's certain points like what we saw with the Blue Jays where Brandon Nimmo, for example, just got into a, a, a money stratosphere mm-hmm. that was just, it became nonsensical for them, right? Right. Especially given that he was going to have to be paid more to play in Toronto than when he got with the Mets. But ultimately, like, when are free agents ever that great? Like, how many free agent contracts, like Zdeno Chara and, like, who else comes to mind for you yeah. in hockey where someone signed for a big free agent contract and it was, wow, what an amazing deal. This thing has drastically exceeded what we expected it to be. Once you're into that, like, four-plus million dollar salary slot... Hard to find guys who are unrestricted free agents who live up. Man, Tavares was a no-brainer. That was a coup for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And now all we do is hindsight, hey, should they have done this? Was it smart to give them $11 million And we'll season? get there with Morgan Riley where locking 100%. up the heart of your franchise for eight years at 7.5 AAV, like that should be straightforward, but it'll hit a point with that. And, and yeah, like the NBA is you know, the most stars and scrubs kind of Mm -hmm. building where if you get a really good rookie on the rookie contract, that's the best possible deal you can have. And then the next best possible deal you can have is a max contract player who actually deserves it. Mm -hmm. And every contract in between is like some level of bad or inefficient. Um, The NHL deals with that even more because there is a hard cap, right? So you, in the NBA, at least you can always exception your way out of things in the NHL, those feel even bigger. I know you, you took a shot at the Cali yarn croak deal the other day, for example, I'm like, that's only a 2.1 mil, but it's three Same years and, and it's three more years. Yeah. It's four years to start. Yeah. And three it's, more and it's 2.1, which is not nothing, but like, it's, it's mm-hmm. also, it's hard to find good free agent deals. Unless you're talking about like the guys at the very minimum, which the Leafs have. And that's kind of a dubious specialty is finding those. But that's an everybody's specialty, right? It's also, it's, it's yeah. a specialty that's really, really important over the regular season. And then if Zach Aston Reese is meaningful for you in a playoff series, um, things have not gone well at the top of your roster probably. And that's what we've uh, just lived out. So Dubas is the president of hockey operations for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, I'm sure we'll hear uh, a lot of different, names um so elliot friedman noting that so justin Bourne had tweeted out um that he he feels like spets will be employed by the pittsburgh penguins immediately in some role or another and elliot friedman said there may be some contractual issue here but the thing about pittsburgh is it's possible to use fenway to get around that so mm. you know the the leverage that that type of ownership situation has could uh, grease the wheels a little bit Can I ask you a question yeah so we're we're getting the backstage look here, right? Mm-hmm. This is media center. They put it up on the door to know, let everybody know that behind those doors is the the media center. They're going to enter. We're, we get the backstage, like you know when you watch a stand ups comedy special and they oh yeah, show the walkout. We're going to get that us, not you. Ah, uh, maybe you at home a little bit. I don't know what you'll get, but yeah, I think you'll probably just get them sitting down. You're getting all the people walking out. Some ladies coming out right now. Yeah, I'd imagine that's the tree living family. Yeah, probably that makes sense. <laughs> that makes all sense. that Boston pizza money. Yeah. So we're getting close here. What are you most interested to hear them speak about publicly today? Uh, I I would like to hear Tree Living's thoughts on so Dubis at his end of season presser was very adamant that big change could be coming and everything's on the table. Shanahan seemed less convinced of that when he did his Dubis exit interview. Mm -hmm. Um, He seemed more 
willing to continue on down the path with tweaking at the margins. I'm curious how Brad Tree Living feels about that because he has a track record of making these big foundational trades when necessary. Like when Matthew Kachuk says, I'm not signing at the end of this year and you move him." But they also watched Johnny Gaudreau leave. And I don't know. I'm, I'm curious how Brad Tree Living feels about Dubas thought a lot had to change. Shanahan said, maybe it doesn't. And it would be, it would be weird if the GM chair was the only major change this offseason for the Leafs, right? Yeah, that's basically what I focus my podcast on today is all of a sudden it goes from being Kyle Dubas's team to purely Brennan Shanahan's team. And now you remember that he's the constant here and that mm-hmm. all of this is just the Shanna plan playing out. So what does Brad Tree Living think about that or what is the lip service he gives to that? Obviously, people are going to ask about Austin Matthews' his early conversations and stuff like that. But like, is he committed to this? core? Because one of the reasons we've felt an urgency to get someone in this spot, not just the draft, whatever, but the fact that there are go. big, quick decisions. So Brad Tree Living and Brandon Shanahan are, are taking the podium now. We're going to take you to that, and then JD and I will be with you on Looking the other side. Glasses, to- bros. These are a sharp look. Good start. Uh, thank you, uh, and welcome to everyone. Um, I'd also like to welcome Brad's family, uh, Julie, uh, Ryan, and Reese. Um, welcome to Toronto. Um, I've I've known Brad for a long time. I've I've known him from afar. Um, I've I've always uh, heard about his ability as a uh, as a, a hockey person. Um, his, his assessments of players, his leadership skills. Um, I've gotten to know him and, and uh, you know, as we've worked together, um, as we've worked in the league but not together, uh, and always really liked him and admired him for, for the qualities that he brings. Um, but over the last uh, little while, uh, getting to spend some time with Brad in person uh, has really confirmed with me what a lot of my colleagues and friends say, that... Uh, He's, he treats people well. Uh, he's a smart hockey person. He's an experienced manager. Um, he's a good manager of people. Um, and I just think that we're really excited to have him come here. I think it's, uh, it, was, it was an added bonus that Brad has uh, not only had experience with the, with the Coyotes, but also has had experience in a Canadian market. Um, and again, like I said, as the, the more we talked and the more time we spent together, I just thought that uh, Brad would be an excellent fit for Toronto to help us get to the next level. So I'd like to introduce uh, Brad Tree Living as the 18th general manager in Toronto Maple Leafs history. And over to Brad. Thanks, Brendan. A little warm in here. (laughs) There's a turnout. They told me you guys follow the game over here. So um, first of all, I just want to thank Brendan and... And the entire Toronto Maple Leafs ownership group, MLSC, it's been uh, it's been a it's been a great process getting to know Brendan. As we said earlier on at the beginning, uh, regardless how it goes, I think in this game, anytime you can form and create and and build relationships, it's important. So regardless of whatever the outcome was, um, as Brendan knows, we've known each other a long time, but never really spent a lot of time. Uh, we joked uh, a good player that we had back in the day, Rafi Torres, we had in, in Phoenix, and we. In Brendan's former life, we, I was spending a lot of time with Brendan, with Rafi there for, for a little bit of time. But um, So thank you to Brendan. Thank you to everybody. Um, <clears throat> before I go too much further, I, I, I first want to um, 
make a couple of comments of Calgary. Um, first of all, the city, uh, the fans of Calgary, it was our home for nine years, raised our kids there. Um, it's, a, it's a very special place to us. The people are very special. The city is very special. Um, and it's, it'll always have a, a, a warm place in our heart. Um, I got the pleasure to work for Murray Edwards, the entire Flames ownership group. Murray's a, a great owner, has been a great mentor to me. Um, and, and John Bean, uh, again, a, a good friend, a great professional mentor. Don Maloney, <clears throat> who's been a close friend of mine in the business for a long time. Uh, they're in great hands there. And I wish Connie um, all the success in the world as he, as he takes over the manager job. Most importantly, the players and staff. Um, I get close to the people I work with. I, I, I believe that you don't manage these days. Some, some do, some may. Um, you don't manage from an office up in the, in, 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 in the building. You manage, you manage with the people. You're shoulder to shoulder with the people. And um, the group there, the players, uh, the staff, are, are, I'm close with to this day and, and will be for the rest of our lives. So to them, good luck. I wish them all the very best except for a couple of games a year. Now to Toronto. Um, you know, I've seen people sit in the seat before and, and they talk about um, it's Toronto. And until you're here, I don't think you really understand it. As we were going through this process with Brendan and we're talking uh, to my family and my girls and, and sort of the, the, the close network that I come, uh, that, that I rely on and lean on, uh, we kept coming back to it's the Leafs. And you guys are all, you, you live it every day. From the outside, we don't get to live it. But there's a special feeling when you come in here as a visitor, when you come in here scouting, when you come in here as, uh, when you were young as a fan, it's the Leafs. It, it, it means something. Um, and so to me, I sit in front of you today excited, humbled, um, looking at this as a great opportunity, but also know this is a great, great responsibility. There's a responsibility to the fans, um, the people that follow this team, the people that work here, um, but our players. You know, to me, that's, that's where we want to get to. I've got a responsibility to that group here to help them get to the level that we're trying to attain to. Um, the real draw, at the end of the day, when you look at all the things surrounding this place, and it's a, it's a special, special place, the draw is the team. We're hockey people at the end of the day. And this is a, this is a really good team. Um, it's led by world-class players. Um, it's, hard to get, it's hard to get talent. Uh, they've got talent. I've, I, like I said, I get to watch this from a, 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 a far lens. Um, to get to work with these athletes is going to be very, very special. I know there's been heartache and there's been some frustration in terms of, our, um, of where we've been in the playoffs uh, lately. Um, it's a hard league, but this team is, has put themselves in a position and we're going to try to keep putting ourselves in a position to keep knocking on the door, keep knocking on the door, keep knocking on the door, and eventually push through. So, um, again, thank you to Brandon. Um, thank you for everyone for showing up. I'm excited. Um, we want to get through this stuff and get to work. So thank you very much and, and uh, look forward to any questions you may have. Sorry. Oh, hey, hey, Brad. Yeah, Terry Cochran of the Toronto Sun. Welcome to Toronto. Thank you. Uh, I might as well get this started off the hop. You mentioned world-class players. Uh, have you had a chance yet to talk to us and Matthews or Judd Moldaver and how important it is that... Uh, is that negotiation, if you will, uh, to, to get going here? Well, thanks, Terry. It's sort of July 1, I guess. I, uh, yeah. I'm glad we waited so long to get to that topic. <laughs> um, you did say world-class players. <laughs> I think we knew who you were getting at. So. Um, 
You know what? I've I've had a chance to communicate. I communicated with a few players. It's it's been a busy couple of days. I communicated with Austin via text. Um, I know Judd. I've got a strong relationship with Judd. Um, you know, there's a, there's a there's a great personal relationship, but uh, Judd's excellent at what he does. Um, you'll find from me, Terry, we're not going to get into any public discourse about contracts. I obviously we know where these contracts are at. Um, Austin is is one of the elite players in the world. You know, we're not talking about a, a good player in the in the league. We're talking about elite player in the world. Um, getting getting to Austin is a priority. Um, but but outside of the contract stuff, number one is just getting to build that relationship. You know, it's not walking down and 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 trying to arm wrestle about contracts. It's getting down and getting Austin a chance, me getting a chance to meet him. But more importantly, having Austin get a chance to meet me, know what we're about, and and just 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 talk a little bit. So. That's priority number one. Um, we know all the things as it relates to all the players in their contract situations um, and the timing and all the challenges ahead of us, um, but we're, we're prepared to, to, to get after it. So I'm, I'm excited to not only get a chance to meet him, um, but thrilled to, to be able to work with him. Hey, Brad, Dave McCarthy, NHL.com. Um, what's your perspective on the job that Sheldon Keefe has done? Have you had a chance to communicate uh, with Sheldon since you took the job? What's your approach in that standpoint? Yeah, I have. I have had a chance to communicate with Sheldon. I, I didn't, you know, I, I, I joked with him a little bit on the phone. I haven't, I don't have a relationship with Sheldon. We, we spoke a couple of times years ago. Um, but I've had a chance to talk to him. I'm going to get with him. You know, there's a lot of things that are priorities. Sheldon is as, as well. Um, and as I said to him, it's a little unique situation, right? We can call it whatever we want, right? We, we, we're all big boys here, you know. Um, there's been a change. Um, you know, he's in, a, he's, in a, he's in a unique situation. But that's, you know, that's the business. Um, my outside lens of Sheldon, I look at a team, was it, 115, last two, two years as, as a full-time coach, 115 points, 111 points. Um, I think he's a really good coach. Um, my view is... Determining whether a guy's good, bad, or, or indifferent, you have to work with him. You have to get to know him. So we're going to sit down and we're going to we're going to go through it. Um, I'm coming in with no preconceived notions. I went to Calgary nine years ago. Um, Bob Hartley was there. Didn't have a relationship with Bob. Bob coached. I think he was a coach of the year my first year in, in Calgary. So I think Sheldon is, has done a lot of really really good te- things. I look at how a group of really skilled players has gotten better at, you know, in checking and, and defending and doing those things that you need to win. So we're going to sit down and, and we're going to be, have a thorough process and try to do it as quickly as possible and, and, and come to a conclusion. A lot of the focus uh, for this team the last, I guess, seven years has been that core four group of players, uh, Matthews, Marner, Tavares, and Nylander. How open are you to the idea of making a big move to change the culture here of this team? Yeah, you always hear these words, you know, big words, culture, and, and, and I, I sometimes think it gets overused and overplayed. <clears throat> the good things here is we got really good players, okay? Uh, you look at where these players are drafted, right? You just have to pick the number where they're drafted. There's a lot of pain to get, to get good players. Um, so that, having those players excites me. Um, and the, like I said, they're world-class players. We're going to review everything. You know, I, 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 I want to... You know, stress strongly. I, I'm not about coming in and making a statement, right? You can throw a body under the tarmac, and it, it might look good for a headline, but are you are you getting any better? At the end of the day, it's about getting better, and 
And just being different doesn't necessarily make you better. The other thing I'll say on that is, and, and again, this, I'm coming in from an outside lens. You know, this, this, this idea of the core four and, and all those types of things, my job is to protect them, right? It's to protect them. And I'll, I'm first fiercely protective of my players. But this can't be about the core four. This is about the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's not about four players, not about two, it's not about one. It's about the 23 guys that we're going to have in this organization. So I understand the spotlight's bigger here. I understand um, we're so fortunate to have all you people that, that care greatly about uh, this team because of the fan base we have, but it's about the Leafs. And the success of this team or, or whatever, tr- or whatever um, challenges we have isn't because of four guys or two guys or one guy. It's about the group. And uh, for a manager coming in, I'm, I'm pretty lucky to have the talent that those four represent, as well as everybody else on this team. But you're not opposed to it. We will look at all things. Uh, Br- Brendan, Brad's your third GM. You might have a third coach, depending on what happens to Sheldon. I'm just wondering how much responsibility you shoulder or bear for, for one playoff series win in nine years, and how much pressure are you feeling from below or above on a personal level after nearly a decade and, and limited playoff success? Yeah, I, I, you know, I felt pressure from the first day I took the job till today. Um, I, I, uh, I feel every day I've come in with a responsibility to, to um, take on uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs in the very beginning to make us uh, an organization that was capable of winning, um, an organization that that our our fans appreciate, um, and sometimes along the way you do have to make changes. So. Um, you know, this is not about whether or not I'm suddenly feeling pressure. I've always felt pressure, and I will. Um, that's that's one of the attractions of why I came to Toronto in the first place and why I've done what I've done throughout my entire career, whether it was as a player or taking on responsibilities at the NHL. Um, so uh, I think that that my job has always been, whether it was in year one or year three or or, or now at the conclusion of year nine, is... What can we do to become better? And that's always been my north compass. Hey, Brad. It's Matt Larkin here with DailyFaceOff.com. I'm just wondering, are you able to confirm if there will be any restrictions on your involvement in the draft just based on any overlap with your time in Calgary? I'm not. I, I can answer that. There, yes, there, there were some restrictions uh, imposed by the Calgary Flames, but we're not going to go into those details. I will say that I've talked to Brad about that. We have we have an excellent head scout in Wes Clark. Uh, we have an excellent scouting team. We pick in the first, fifth, and sixth round. Uh, they are still doing their job. They are preparing. Uh, that part won't change. We have the utmost confidence in our in our scouting staff. But I won't go into those details. Brad Kevin McGrant here, Toronto Star. Nice to meet you again, nice to meet you. sort of. So, um, is, even Kyle Dubas, in his final press conference here, referenced you that trade for with with Florida um, as, as a as a big moment, something that, to be admired, a risky move, something you had to do. Can you walk us through that trade? Like, do you have any regrets with with that trade with Florida in the uh, final and and Calgary missing? I, I mean, I know Calgary had more points than Florida, but still, can you kind of walk us through that trade and your thought process and and your thoughts on it now, a year later, almost? Sure. Um, well, Chucky, who I'm very close to, he's like a son to me. He, he reminds me all the time that, you know, his success is always gets my name brought up. Right. So he, he says, you're welcome. Um, 
It was unique. Every every situation, every team, every year has got unique circumstances. You know, um, <clears throat> Matthew, as I said, came to us, and I'm not I'm not going to go blow by blow on it, Kevin, uh, but he came to us last year, which I was appreciative of. Um, I'll never fault the player, but said, you know, I'm. Uh, it's time for me to move. I'm not looking to, to, to sign long-term here. So you go into the market. Now, there were some challenges, no question. Um, you know, you're playing with a, felt like a two and a three um, in your hand, and, and the, everybody else has got a pair of aces. So we worked hard. We made an organizational decision where our team was at in terms of the growth of our team and it, at the development of our team that we wanted to, to look at opportunities to, to fit within the window that, competitive window we're in so we worked at it and I know listen Matthew's a great young player and we knew from the day moving 25 year old top players is we never wanted to move Matthew Kachuk this was not something that let's be very clear that I said you know woke up one day and thought let's move Matthew Kachuk Um, circumstances presented themselves you deal with them as best you possibly can he's 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 a top player he's a wonderful player Um, that's the first chapter of that of that trade you know Jonathan McKenzie, the pick. You know, there's a prospect involved. We'll see. We'll see. You know, time will time will dictate and, and tell how all things play out. But every time you're going to get, you're going to have challenges every year, and you just deal with them as best you possibly can. Brendan, uh, after Kyle moved on, there was some discussion in the market about how much autonomy the GM has to make moves and make them quickly. Uh, in this structure, and now Kyle takes on the the president's job in Pittsburgh today. Can you just give us a sense of where that, how that works here in Toronto? How much autonomy the GM has? I mean, I've always believed that um, in process, and I've always believed that a general manager should have a good, strong process. And we've been lucky here in Toronto. Whether um, the the two people I hired, which was Lou Lamorello um, and Kyle Dubas, had good process, they got they drew information from the people around them. Um, but ultimately, the decision has to be made by the general manager, and that's how I've always operated. Uh, that's how I'll continue to operate. I think that Brad is a collaborative person. I think he's got, uh, you know, I think he's looking forward to meeting our staff and, and so many of the resources that we've built up here in Toronto, but I think he also has, you know, people in the hockey world that he relies on as well. Uh, and so Brad and I, our relationship will not be all that different than the, the very good one that Kyle and I had. Uh, and, but ultimately, I, I really do feel that um, that the role and the responsibility has to ultimately come from the general manager, so that doesn't change. Hey, Brad. Uh, David Alter with the Hockey News. Nice to meet you. Um, I'm wondering if you've had an opportunity to kind of look at who you want to bring in from an AGM standpoint or maybe some other support staff, or are you kind of waiting for maybe some of the other decisions to kind of fall before making those kind of decisions sorry from an from an assistant manager yeah like no. anyone that you've worked with in the past that you've already identified yeah. as someone who you're going to bring in well first off, you know and i should have mentioned earlier i think you know one of the real draws for me is is we talked about the people here um that 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 goes off the ice too brandon pridham i've known brandon a long time going back to we i used to think i thought we had to mail him a check when i was in arizona we felt like he was on the payroll when he was working for the league because uh we were owned by the league, but um, so we leaned on him all the time. I said, "Hey, we're you know we're all this is all from the same mothership here," and he's 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 to me in my mind one of the very best, if not the best, at what he does in the league. So, um, you know, I when you come into a job, I think it's really important. It's it's easy to sit up here and say, you know, I got all uh, we got all these problems, but I, I'm the beneficiary of the people that came before me. Kyle Dubas is a very close friend. We have a very good relationship. Um, 
I think he's extremely smart. I think he's talented at what he does. And like I said, he's he's of, of the manager group. He's a, he's a close confidant. He's left me some really good pieces on the ice, off the ice. Uh, before him, Lou Lamorello. Before him, Dave Nonis, or Dave Nonis, I think. Before him, Brian Burke. They all have their fingerprints on this team. You know, there's players from Berkey's age uh, era in terms of Morgan Riley. Um, so it's a roundabout way of saying part of the draw here is the work that people have done before me. Uh, most recently, Kyle, who's really good at what he does, and I'm the beneficiary of that. And that, that falls off the ice. Now I'm going to sit with those people, and we're going to have discussions, and we're going to find out specific roles. Um, if there's areas that we can help ourselves um, and look at people to bring in, we may do. But, again, I think we've got really talented people here. Now I've got to get to know them. Hi, Brad. Uh, you, you sit here on June 1st, and it's obviously such a big month on the hockey calendar. I'm just wondering over these next days and weeks what your biggest priorities are. Well, hi, Chris. It, I, was, I was going through this the other day when Brendan and I were talking. Uh, it's, it's hard to say. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of priorities, right? So that number one, there seemed to be a lot at the number one spot. So um, obviously we've got... We got some contractual issues um, that we're going to deal with, and we're going to we're going to we're going to we're going to build those relationships. Um, we've got Sheldon's situation. Uh, we've got to get to know. We've got to get to know the the staff. We've got a draft to prepare for. Um, there's the communication amongst amongst the managers' community. Right. I'm a little bit behind here right now. Right. People have been talking and figuring out what they want to do. So we'll we'll we'll. I, we'll go pedal down here pretty quick. This is there, there won't be. This is not the dating game. We're going to get right into uh, pushing hard here. Um, so there's a lot to get done. Again, we've got a lot. We've got a lot of people here. We got we got a good staff. We got an experienced staff. So I'm going to lean on them. But you know, number one, I got to get out and see Austin. Number two is I got to. We got number one. A is is the other contractual issues. We got a coach that we've we we we've got to get some clarity and, and meet with. So you know, I don't I don't. By, by saying one's more important than the other, you're, you're downgrading everything. But there's a lot to do, and uh, the clock is ticking, as they say. Hey, Brad. Lance Homer from the Toronto Sun. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, your relationship with uh, Gio and Brody and, and what kind of a resource they might be for you as you come in? Yeah, it's good, it's good to see those guys. Gio, it's good to see him still playing at 75. Um, not a lot of guys do. And... Uh, um, yeah, I was with them a long time. They're good. They're good men. They're good players. They're good people. They've got good families. So, um, you know, I, I was I was been texting a little bit with Gio, and and uh, uh, it'll it'll be good to connect with them. Um, and uh, like I said, I, I don't. You know, there's a few people here. Luke Shen, I know a little bit, right? We've got a little a little bit of a relationship with. So, getting to know the players that's the, that's the important thing to me. I like I said, it, it, this is not you don't manage from from an office anymore you you you, you know you 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 got to get to know them you got to you got to know what drives them um but those are those are two good men there uh con- congratulations brad luke Thank fox sports that uh, you, you're talking about the the talent of this team from afar in terms of roster construction why hasn't this group gotten over the hump in your opinion you know what luke there, there's a few things and and before i get too it's a little bit premature, and it's not. It's not a way of dodging the question. I, I always feel, I always feel in the same way when I went into Calgary. You, there's there's an external lens. Until you get behind the curtain, it's it's you know you, you got to know all the 
the reasons why. Um, number one, and it's, it's not a, you know, it's a motherhood answer, but it's the truth. It's hard to win, right? Like we're looking at a final here right now with two really good teams, but one of the teams was a Pittsburgh win away from not making the playoffs, right? It, it's tight. The margins are thin. It's, it's, it's hard to win, and I know, and I know that, that, that sounds, people want, people want the answers. We're going to try to get the answers, but it's hard to win. What, I, what I've liked about this team from afar is we, we've, and I refer to it as we already, but, but they've, they've, they've got lots of skill. They've got lots of talent. But each year, and, you know, for me, like when I look at our sort of how, from our data, how we looked at this team, I mean, it was, it was a top, it was elite team five on five offensively. Um, when you look at its chances against, so I think it was second in chances for, I think we're 14th in chances against, but their disrupt, their disrupt percentage in terms of checking, to me that's checking, it was second. So you've, and, I, and again, I point back to the coach. He's gotten top players to check. And at the end of the day, you know, checking, you can't win until you check. And, and you need talent, you need skill, but that skill's got to play at both ends of the ice. And I, I've seen an evolution of that. Um, but it's hard to win. It's hard to win. Beyond that, I think, you know, we just got to dig in and we got to get familiar with it and, 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 and find solutions to the issues that we got. Brendan, about a half hour before we sat down here, your former GM was announced as, <clears throat> excuse me, the president of Pittsburgh. He'll be debuted an hour from now. What do you think of that timing? Well, I, I think they're like us. I don't think it was intentional timing. I've been in contact with the um, with the CEO of, of, of Fenway, Sam Kennedy. He and I are very close. We've we've talked over the last week uh, several times about Kyle. So um, I think they 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 need to get to work as well. Um, fully endorsed Kyle. I thought he told Sam that he would be great for their organization, uh, and I'm very happy for him. Thanks. All right, we're back. Blake Murphy and JD Bunkus with you uh, until 12 o'clock to break down some of uh, Brad Tree Living's introductory press conference. He's getting the jersey and photo op treatment right now, yeah. uh, choosing number 23, even though he is the 18th GM. In Leafs history, of course, it is 2023. Thank you, Blake. Uh, but that's, uh, I, I, I don't know. I want to go the MJ route. I, maybe it was a heat. Just six titles are coming to uh, coming to Toronto kind of heat check, not just the year. Dude, it would be so actually great if he picked the number, just the one he liked. You know? Yeah. He just, he's like, this is my actual number. Okay, so Trey Living, it's done. I, what's your, let's do this. What's your letter grade? What are you giving though that media conferences? You can grade both guys individually. Yeah, I mean, Tree Living, I'll give a a C plus. I didn't like some of the answers about you know the, the it's so hard to win, it's hard to win. The mm-hmm. hey, we've been knocking on the door and eventually it'll get through. It it really did sound like, and you can be okay with this and believe in the corn stuff, but I you really got the impression that not a ton else is going to change or, or there's not a lot of imminent change, which mm. maybe is fine. You can be patient over the next month or whatever. Um, but it didn't seem like there was like, there was nothing fresh. There was not a new perspective on things. Uh, I appreciate the attempt at some dad jokes. Mm. A lot of them didn't land. Oh, I mean, you would have thought with the way some of the people in there laughed that 
That was Bill Burr at Red Rocks that he was crushing. That was, that's a tough look. You got to feel a little bad after you laugh at some of those jokes, right? When he first came, he's like, it's hot in here. People are like, <laughs> it's okay. Uh, uh, I, I, yeah. I know you guys, I heard you guys uh, follow the game here. Yeah, that was, that the pandering stuff. Okay. Yeah, taking so, shots at Geo being extremely old was uh, that one at least. Uh, yeah. 75. Yeah. Not a lot of guys do it. That was yeah. great. Um, yeah, I'm going to give the jokes a solid F minus. Uh, <laughs> none of them landed for me, but fine, whatever. I think that's just natural. Um, I'm with you. That was a very, as the youths say, mid. I'll give this a C minus. I just, okay. I know, okay, let's put it, I'll, I'll give it a C. I'll bump it up to a C. Here's why. I understand that there's a lot that he can't speak on directly. And. When other guys have been announced, like this wasn't Burke coming into town talking about uh, truculence, right? This one isn't going to go down in the truculence hall of fame of there's a huge takeaway. This is sort of, I'm left with this. I wrote down a bunch of quotes. I'm sure you did too. And some things that we can talk about from this thing. But there wasn't a moment during that media conference where I thought, wow, okay, that's cool. This is the the stamp that you're going to put on this other than just... Getting to know them. A lot of getting to know them. And you would have thought that's what these last couple of weeks were for. Like, obviously, there are there are certain restrictions that you can and can't do as Tree Living's mm-hmm. coming over. And Brandon Shanahan mentioned there are some restrictions on his role mm-hmm. imposed by the Calgary Flames. Uh, we, we had seen some reporting earlier that Tree Living won't really be involved in the draft process. And, and Potentially. We don't know that that's the thing, but it seems yeah, that I mean, way. Yeah, I mean, CJ had up. reported yeah. that as well or earlier, Chris Johnson. Um, and, and then, you know, Shanahan mentioned... West Clark specifically, who we'd kicked mm-hmm. around as a potential Dubis post. He's not going anywhere. No, it doesn't sound like that. Uh, and they only have a first, a fifth, and a sixth. By the way, uh, mm-hmm. programming note before we continue here. So at 12 o'clock, it will be the Jeff Merrick show. Elliot Friedman's going to join him right off the top. And they're going to take you live to Kyle Dubis's press conference at 1230 this afternoon mm. as well. So uh, all the hockey you can handle uh, today. So Merrick and Elliot and the Kyle Dubis press conference uh that's that show starts at 12 and then it's uh 12 30 for the dubis press conference so keep an ear out for that um one of the restrictions on brad tree living by the way that elliot friedman is now reporting he cannot be at the draft table so i okay. my guess is, i guess he can be in the in the spreadsheets in the little internal cms that they have for guys but he's not allowed to be at the table can which he, could make it awkward to make trades on draft night yeah can he put like a earpiece in on somebody and uh, okay puppet uh, strings that part that part is a little strange it, it's a little odd it doesn't really so to me it doesn't really matter much for the draft like obviously when he was with the flames they would have been scouting this same crop of players he does have a pretty strong draft record outside mm-hmm. of you know once you get into deeper rounds finding guys like Amon Giapani um I don't that doesn't matter that much like you have your scouting staff and I don't know that the GM would be like unilaterally making picks anyway. I do wonder though like the ability to wheel and deal at draft time at the uh, table being there in person that actually kind of matters. Yeah, so, so I, I wonder if it has an impact on that is my biggest curiosity there. Yeah, well, okay. I sure don't want my general manager making or not being able to be on the ground floor at one of the biggest moving days in the NHL, especially Mm -hmm. given where this organization's at right now, where everything is supposed to be on the table. And it sort of brings me back to the, and this is why it felt a little bit like a C to me is it just feels like Shanahan's team. It's just, he feels like the GM and he can talk like they have that moment, right? Where they brought up the autonomy fairly. So they Mm -hmm. go, okay, I was the autonomous. And 
I thought it was we actually, had good process, uh, but ultimately it falls with the GM. Well, I also thought it was pretty interesting where he's like, and I had a good relationship with Kyle. It's like, okay, man, yeah. no one even said that. You just kind of threw that out there. Like, yeah. But I, I do think I he, w- he was aware that that question was probably based on what, the reporting the reporting that yeah, we yeah. had heard that, you know, there were a couple moves Dubis maybe didn't get to make or were imposed on him or whatever. And you're yeah. always going to hear that. You're going to hear that stuff in every front office and every sport. And But it was a little defensive, you, wouldn't, yeah. you yes. would agree? It yes. felt a little defensive in the moment when he snapped it out and said... Yeah. Just like I had a good relationship with Kyle, and I and I think he realized that because when he got he when he got asked about Dubis and the the timing of the Pittsburgh announcement, he was you know sure to pour it on like oh that wasn't intentional. I talked to him, I fully endorsed Kyle, etc. Okay, maybe it wasn't intentional. I don't think Dubis is mad about it. No, I don't think so either. I don't think Dubis is upset about it. You're telling me that couldn't happen on a Friday to round out the week and, and like have the press conference with a little more a little more runway. Mm-hmm. It's uh, yeah, but yeah, to kind of finish that point. Leafs, he outlined, there's a lot of priorities here, right? He went, there's a lot to do. He and said, there, there are a lot of things at number one. Yeah. So he talked about the contracts and he talked about Sheldon Keefe and the fact that you're going to be limited in basically any way and not be able to be present at the draft, that seems consequential to me. Like there's a reason I guess Calgary would want it. Mm-hmm. Feels important that you wouldn't be able to do certain things and take every action possible. And so when we're talking about autonomy and you're saying that everything comes down to the general manager, okay, cool, you can say that. That's nice of you to say, Brennan Shanahan. But if ultimately your general manager is not able to run your draft, get up to speed in time to be making certain decisions, be able to be making potentially some trades from the draft floor, doesn't that already say everything you need to know about his autonomy, which is like, you're still Brendan Shanahan during this offseason calling the shots. That Brad Tree Living might be the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. But as of right now, I, I'm not really sure what that means other than he's going to get to know the players. And maybe he gets to have a final say on Sheldon Keefe if he really feels strongly one way or the other about it. But Brandon Pridham looks like he's staying in place. Mm-hmm. They're keeping the same people running the draft. Brandon Shanahan's calling these shots. He's the one talking about feeling pressure. This is why it feels weird right now is... As much as you have changed the general manager, it feels very much status quo seeing Brennan Shanahan at this media conference again, like the guy that's been here through all of this, who has hired multiple GMs, who's been able to talk about this entire Shanahan plan, like he's still running things. And ultimately now it doesn't even feel like the Leafs really did make a change by removing Kyle Dubas and bringing in Brad Tree Living. Like it, it just feels very much the same. And so that I, I couldn't help but shake watching this media conference today is like you basically had a stranger and Brad Trilling at the table going, yeah, I still got a lot to do and get to know people. And you're like, well, you know, July 1st, that's next month. That's a month from now today. And the no trades all kick in before mm-hmm. the Austin Matthews thing. And you had asked me right before it started, what was the thing that I was most curious about? And it was that Dubas had said, Dubas had hammered that big changes could be coming and might be necessary and everything's on the table. Mm-hmm. And yes, that's just GM speak at the end of a season. But Shanahan didn't seem like he felt as strongly about that the Friday that followed and tree living certainly didn't sound like he, he feels that way. And if Shanahan and look, I get it. Like he's coming in and he's of course going to trust the Pridhams of the world and the West Adam or West Clarks of the world rather. And Shanahan is, you know, probably a, a collaborative part of that decision-making process, but I'm with you in that. It doesn't feel like there's a, a ton of change here, which maybe ends up being fine, but then it would lead you back to the question. Well, why didn't you just let it work with, Kyle Dubas then uh, and figure out uh, a way to make that work. So 
The no draft table thing is big, man. And I, and I think they would probably tell you like, well, he's going to be a part of all the meetings leading up to that, and he can be you know on his phone or whatever yeah, back know, in the head office. It, it is a. I don't know though why he's why would he be like. I don't know what. Why would it make any difference then if he can't be at the table? If it means that he can just be on the phone, that just maybe seems it's like the, a, the flames being weird. No, that's too weird. I, my assumption here is that if he's not at the table, that he's not working the draft. Like mm-hmm. he's not, uh, he's not making the deals. He's not making the trades. I, I don't know. This that's a that's a big oddity to me. I would have thought that when he got announced and he was going to be the guy, that that would be purely the case that they did lift all the restrictions or yeah. if they did anything it was had to do with minor little details behind the scenes so you're right all this reporting is coming out right now with that stuff mm-hmm. anyway i just yeah feels like too much of the same and to your point about Kyle Dubas saying everything's on the table i do think that's a little overstated because that's just pretty much what every gm right. says in a job where they go we'll listen on everything right but then but they he, do the- I mean, the the context and the mo- the emotion behind him saying that, like, I, I found it in stark contrast to how he'd huh. sounded about that same question in years past. I personally didn't feel the same way, but I, I get what you're saying that it was, he, he, but he kind of had to say it. Like, right. they were in a spot where after another letdown, you can't just come out there and basically be um, defiant like he was with we can and we will. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't going to do another one of those stand at the podium and go, none of these guys are moving. We can dispel this. If I'm here, these guys are here. It was just an impossible spot for him to be. But with tree living, like not, oh, we keep knocking at the door. Eventually we'll push through winning is hard. It's hard to win. It's hard yeah. to win. It really did feel like, you know, the talking point about, the, and I get it. They have really, really good players. They have a couple of, of generational talents on this team so maybe you don't want to you know come in swinging too heavily but it really did feel like what it would have sounded like at the end of the season had this not been the sixth consecutive year of this yeah listen he's he's going to be judged on what he actually does not what he says at today's media conference but if you're looking for if you use this as an exercise in well what do you feel is like going to happen if you're using this as a teaser or a trailer of what's to come which is i think the most you can do right Mm -hmm. try and pick between these guys are heavily corporatized and corporatized what's the word there i don't think i think i might have just invented a word i don't yeah, think any of these you. things are, are actual things uh, the, this guy's revolutionary they're they're pr'd up yeah they're ready for all these questions today they've drilled these things probably like they're going into court and figuring out what they're going to say so there is a little bit of don't overreach on some of these answers and like i said he'll be judged on what happens moving forward but it does make sense to me his approach at least with hey, I've got to get to know these players and I've got to get to know this coach and Matthew's really talented and it's hard to get talent in this league because he doesn't have the trust of these players. They don't mm-hmm. know him yet. So publicly, he wants to make it outset of, yep, guess what we're doing here? Uh, nothing through the media. Everything, you can trust me that nothing will be negotiated media-wise. Yeah, which which makes sense. Um, we're going to take a quick break and we'll continue to digest this when we come back uh, again the heads up uh, jeff merrick show at 12 o'clock they'll have elliot friedman right off the top they'll take you to kyle dubas's introductory presser in pittsburgh for 12 30 uh, we'll be back with you for a little bit more here as uh, whatever we're calling this show leaf stock plus uh, continues on sports at 590 and sports at 360 diving deep into leaps raptors jays and nfl the jd bunkers podcast Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome back. Blake Murphy and J.D. Bunkus with you here. Uh, The Toronto Maple Leafs introduced Brad Tree Living as their new general manager, Brandon Shanahan, 
up on the podium with him, answering some questions as well. JD Bunkus, we got about ten minutes here. Let's do some rapid fire stuff. All right. We we talked about the the high level items before we took the break there, but what else stood out to you? Uh, obviously, we we covered the the silly jokes and and the fact that Brad Tree Living didn't really say a lot, as you might expect. Um, what stood out to you, Tree Living or Shanahan? So. I think the biggest thing was clearly the restrictions on the draft mm-hmm. and the, what the fallout of that is going to be, I think is going to be the major point of discussion over the next couple of days. That would be my guess. Um, that immediately distracts from all this stuff about the core four and to coach for a little while because you're like, wait, what is this guy's actual power in this position as it starts today? Um, I think that we, we touched on the core four stuff and the approach that he took. But he really did duck the questions. Mm-hmm. And he really didn't make it seem like a shakeup was going to happen based on everything that he was saying. Um, again, I'm not going to take everything he said at face value, like that's any guarantee something won't happen. I believe that teams will probably approach the Leafs and try to poach some of their top-tier talent. And if there's a move that Brad Living and Brendan Shanahan thinks makes them better, that they'll take it. That's the job of any general manager. But, like, he... He basically, I I wrote down this when he was asked about the core four shakeup. We're going to review everything. My job is to protect them. Mm -hmm. And then he did the whole, it's not about the core four. It's about the Leafs. And that to me was actually a little lame. I went, okay, man. Yeah, sure. It's about the Leafs. But the the core four right now, that is the Leafs. The core five, that is the Leafs. That has been what they've been predicated on for this entire run. Is like run the five of them back. make forty eight million dollars combined. So exactly. whether it's about the Leafs or just the core five, like realistically and how you build your roster, it Dude. it is about them. And you've got a bunch of people that are up for. I think they've got nine guys plus an RFA in Samsonov who played during the playoffs mm-hmm. that are free agents. Yeah, that's significant, man. Like that really does change the way that you can move. And so, yes, you don't have to outline all of your business there, but it was just a lot of hey. I'm just a new guy. I'm just settling in. I don't really know some of these people. He does like Brandon Pridham. That's very clear, mm-hmm. right? He made that pretty painfully Back clear. Back to Pridham's like, years working with the league office when the Coyotes were owned by the league and Pridham was basically salary cap advising for them. But trying to thread that line mm-hmm. of I'm here to protect them, but they're not the Maple Leafs, I thought was really awkward. I thought that was like the most awkward moment of the media conference other than, yeah, media members laughing at what were some clearly bad jokes, was trying to make it seem like you're Mr. Players and that you want to protect those players, but also they're not the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, they're not responsible for you being here today. Like, dude, they absolutely are. If those guys had played better, if people were sure in that talent, you wouldn't be sitting in the seat today in front of all these people in Toronto where they watch their hockey or whatever the hell that line was. And, And I thought related to that, something that stood out to me is he got asked about culture change and really like shot it down like said it called it overused and overplayed said they have really good players and it's a lot of pain to get good players because he he had been asked do you need to change one of the core pieces and the question specifically had the hanger on of to change up the culture and he said that's overused and overplayed but i do think that in concert with the my job's to take pressure off of those guys and this is about the whole Maple Leafs team not just them also having the like ah the culture change like it's not a culture thing it's not a culture thing but like this is the problem with keeping Brennan Shanahan in the position that he's in how could he ever come on here and say that the culture is a problem or like I really want to change the culture here we want a winning culture your boss the guy that just hired you created the culture 
Like, what, what position are you in? If I, how is he supposed to answer that any differently? That, again, the weirdness of Shanahan being there and still being such a big part in all of this and still feeling like the ultimate decision maker is just, it's, it's really tough to ignore that. It's really tough to sit there and watch Brad Living operate and talk without feeling like, you know, he is ultimately, yeah, so working let, for that guy. Let me offer you this. There, was obvious, there were obviously some things that Brad Living didn't answer either intentionally or, or because he wasn't asked. Well, go to Justin Bourne's Twitter account, at JT Bourne. Mm-hmm. And tell Justin Bourne what questions you'd like to ask because Brad Tree Living is going to join Kipper and Bourne later today. Love that. So we'll hear a little bit more from the new Jays or <laughs> Leafs general manager. Um, the new so, Jays? Whoa. Yeah. Great, great, great. Well, the, so I was about to say <laughs> the Jays game is on at one o'clock yeah. on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. So mm. Kipper and Bourne will still be running on Sportsnet now and YouTube, though. And then at the conclusion of the Jays game, mm. Kipper and Bourne will run again. So if okay. you do want to hear Brad Tree Living uh, more from him, Sportsnet now or YouTube at two o'clock. Or double back after the Jays game on Sports at 590 The Fan. And then, as we mentioned before, uh, Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman coming to you at noon, including going live to uh, the Kyle Dubas press conference at 1230 down in Pittsburgh. So there was a Shanahan part of this where he got asked if he's feeling any pressure because he's on his third GM and maybe his third coach now. He didn't really understand that question. Yeah. How's he, how he going to say? He's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always feel yeah. pressure. But yeah. you, I mean, certainly from your answer to what what I had just said about, about tree living's comments on the culture. And I think going back to the, the, the Dubis move, you have Shanahan front of mind in terms of what's next for this franchise and yeah. where the buck stops next. Yeah. I just think, yeah, he's making all the decisions yeah. right now that this is his team. It was the Shanna plan all along that obviously Dubis and Lou Lamorello made big moves. And I'm sure that they did have autonomy, right? Like he mentioned that in the media conference where he said, we like collaboration mm-hmm. that, you know, he kind of outlined a little bit of the way that it works here listening to other hockey minds, but ultimately the GM has to be the final decision maker or have conviction in their moves. And I, I do believe that that's what the structure is here. I, I do think that if Brad Tree Living goes to Shanahan and wants to make certain moves and pounds the table for them and thinks that they're best, Shanahan will listen to him. I just, like, again, with some of the restrictions that he's dealing with right now, the timing in which he's being dropped into this, the amount of work that he has to do, it's just really hard for me to believe that you know, he is the true general manager of the team when, again, he can't operate the draft. They've already got a different group of guys working that. They've got Pridham that's already here working the cap sheets and Shanahan overseeing other stuff. And then to me, it's like the next thing was there's there's two other things that maybe we can touch on here in the last couple of minutes. One is that I I don't think the key thing is as decided as maybe we thought a day ago. Okay. Well, just he said that he has to get to know him and that mm-hmm. he didn't have a relationship with him and in terms of the way that everything else was, where it was a lot of protections, and he outlined Keefe's success in the regular season, but it, it didn't feel like a full-blown endorsement of Sheldon Keefe, which I think was easy for them to have done today if that was really already done. Mm-hmm. So for him to kind of leave that dangling out there, I, I do wonder what's next for those two men and, and what the next step is. And sure, maybe it's likely Keefe returns, but it sure did, it felt far from a certainty today. Well, and certainly far from a certainty that you know I had seen some people speculate if if he's going to stick with Keith, do you have to give him a little extension so he's not a lame duck heading into the I don't year? Think you do. I don't think so either. No. But um, okay, so we only have uh, another two minutes or so here before we kick it over. Um, with respect to the Keith thing, um, he did mention like he appreciates that the skill players have gotten better at at the checking and defensive stuff. Like I guess. Where I'm, where I'm still, I I don't care about that. But I, what I didn't get a real clear answer from is what he thinks this team needs and needs differently. Like, let's yep. say even all the core pieces are back, they do have nine 
free agents that played in the playoffs, plus Ilya Samsonov, who's restricted free agent. Did you, were you able to glean a sense of, from a hockey perspective, what he thinks this team needs next? No, I, I don't even think that question was really asked of him. That was the other thing, too, that shockingly ran very short. Mm-hmm. I would have thought that there was at least, you know, seven, eight questions that were still left to be asked. And once it hit the Dubas stuff, it felt like they were just like, yep, wrap it up. That's it. That's, we're done for the day here. Because you're right. That, that to me is, what do you see with this team that they need? What would you be communicating to people in terms of what your style is going to be like as a general manager? How would you like to, you know, first... What is a, the sales pitch yeah. to Austin Matthews beyond, like, I've texted with his agent and I got to get to know him a little bit? What, yeah, well, that's the thing, too, is I get that one with not wanting to negotiate with the media on the contract. Mm-hmm. But it's like, but when like, you what is your down, What is your sales pitch? Like, what are you telling them your vision is? When they sat down together and they were being interviewed, and you were decided to be the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, what was your pitch to Brendan Shanahan? Mm-hmm. What did you guys see in agreement? Did you have anything that you disagreed upon already? Like, how do you see the your two visions when it comes to hockey operations? And yes, I guess he's texted with Austin Matthews, and he's good friends with his agent. Something. It is something. That's, and look, a lot okay. of this is going to go, a lot of this is going to be judged on if an Austin Matthews contract extension uh, gets done mm-hmm. on July 1st. J.D. Bunkus, you'll have way more on this on the J.D. Bunkus podcast tomorrow at 9 a.m. Uh, we'll have lots more on the station. Jeff Merrick shows coming up next with Elliot Friedman off the top. At 1230, they'll take you to the Kyle Dubas presser. Kipper and Borner on at 2. You got to check that out on Sportsnet Now or YouTube. Uh, they'll have Brad Tree living on with them to answer a few more of these questions. And if you miss that on YouTube, you can double back after the Jays game. Uh, Jays Talk Plus will be back at uh, at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning because the Blue Jays do play at 1 o'clock today. Ben Wagner and Ben Nicholson-Smith on the call for you from down at Rogers Center. It's Kevin Gosman against Freddie Peralta. Uh, mm-hmm. Jeff Merrick, Elliot Friedman, and then eventually the Kyle Dubas presser next. J.D. Bunkus, thanks so much, buddy. Happy to be here. All right.